Welcome in, fight fans. This is Ryan McKinnell, and on today's MMA on Sirius XM podcast, Dean Thomas and I discuss the legacy of Jose Aldo after he announces his retirement from MMA. Plus, we speak to MMA legend and former Aldo opponent, the California kid Uriah Faber, about the career of Aldo in the main event of UFC Vegas 60. The date was November 18th. 2009 the venue was las vegas nevada at the palms and the match was jose aldo against mike brown at wec 44 dean thomas that is where it all began make no mistake it says in his official record books when you talk about the brazilian jose aldo seven ufc featherweight title defenses a record yeah well it's actually nine because he had two of those titles defenses in the wec dean and then they just carried over that belt from the wec into the ufc there was no gap there was no tournament to determine it he was the best featherweight in the world for a decade he didn't lose for 18 fights he had nine successful title defenses and he took on all challengers the incomparable jose aldo saying goodbye to the sport of mixed martial arts over the weekend dean i don't know if we can do it justice in an hour or however much time we got but man thoughts impressions legacy of the brazilian the one and only scarface jose aldo so i remember when he was coming up because as he was coming up i was kind of going out yeah and yeah real talk so i remember as he was coming up you know, I was a lightweight at the time, but I should have been fighting at featherweight, but I had already been a lightweight for a long time. Mm-hmm. And when I got out of the UFC, my goal was to come back into the UFC because th- that's right when they purchased the WEC and they started allowing featherweights into the UFC. So my goal was to come back to the UFC as a featherweight. But there was one problem. I didn't know if I wanted to fight Aldo. <laughs> No shit. I didn't. I, I wasn't really. I remember thinking back. Like, I'm not really looking forward to fighting this guy. I was thinking like this guy kicks way too hard for my brittle ass legs. I was I was like, man, one kick, he's going to snap my leg in half. So I remembered like. Not being all that enthused about getting to the UFC at 145 because I, there was a chance that I'd have to fight Aldo. And I just remember thinking like, you know what? This isn't the best idea. And and I just want to, I just, I just want to contextualize this for our listeners. You're hearing from a man who fought Kyle Udo, Clay Guida, Jeremy Stevens, Josh Neer, BJ Penn. But then, you know, you see, uh, well, there's, there's, there's Jose Aldo doing his thing. And hey, you mentioned it. Those leg kicks, man. Those will put PTSD in your brain and you didn't even fight the dude. It was the it was the leg kicks, man. Like just watching him, just watching him batter everybody's legs. And I was thinking, man, that's not gonna feel good if I get kicked with a bunch of those things. Yeah, no. And maybe this maybe this isn't the smartest idea. <laughs> so, but I never eventually went back to the UFC at featherweight, and um, and it worked out for me. I never I never had to take a Jose Aldo leg kick. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. You. You. You, you know you know who did, and he's coming up an hour too. Really, the man who probably felt the brunt of those leg kicks, and we still think about it today, Uriah Faber, the California kid. I, I can't wait to talk to him about that fight and, and what he felt at the time and the danger. Oh, man, Russo. Russo, why you do that? First of all, you brought up Gregory Rodriguez's cut uh, before we went live on the show, making me throw up my noodles, and now he's showing us pictures of uh, – 
of uh, Uriah Faber's leg after that fight with uh, Jose Aldo. Mike, you you kind of were referencing it during the break. You didn't start appreciating Aldo until the bantamweight run because he was picking off all your favorites in featherweight. I mean, how many times is he going to knock off my boy Frank Yeager? I was just <laughs> always praying Frankie could get it done. That didn't happen. I was a big Chad Mendez guy. I kind of sided Team Alpha Male during that whole gym rivalry with uh, Nobu Nyao. So yeah. I, I don't think I think my own like anger <laughs> was blind, really truly appreciating how awesome this guy was. Well, and it was that bantam rate run where I kind of I kind of closed the, the coffin on him. I'm like, all right, he's kind of done. And all of a sudden, he started beating ranked guys again. You're like, yeah. dude, he still looks like he has a lot left in the tank. Well, I think that's what's really is going to be one of the overarching parts of his legacy. Dean Thomas is the fact that he did have that second life at bantamweight and showed everybody that. You know, he was still the champion, the great, the GOAT, one of the greatest fighters to ever step foot inside the octagon. He didn't break mentally. And Ariel Hawani uh, tweeted this out last night. And I'm not going to rob him of this. I'm not going to take him away because it was a really profound sort of way to look at Jose Aldo's career. And I'm paraphrasing. I don't have the tweet in front of me, but he basically said the lasting impression that I have of Aldo, the thing that most impressed me is that he didn't let the 13 second knockout to Conor McGregor you know, lampoon his career, torpedo his career. You know what I'm saying? Like he took that and he still was a bad MFer for years after that. It did not break the man. Man, I tell you, and that's hard to do. It's hard to do to be at the top where where you're at the top for so long. And then to fight a guy that everybody hates and everybody to put this pressure on you to beat him up and you're supposed to do it. And then he knocks you out in 13 seconds. A lot of people wouldn't be able to come back from that. A lot of people can't come back like People have a hard time coming back from any loss, and that's a bad loss to take. And it's one that I don't know how he processed that in his head. Maybe he was just like, you know what? Maybe, maybe he processed it like it was a fluke, and it's it wasn't supposed to happen. It was just mm-hmm. a lucky shot. Yeah. Made it easier for him to accept it. But whatever he did, he uh, he didn't allow it to, like you say, define him. And that's yep. and that's really difficult to do. And that's says a lot about his character of yep. as a man and a fighter. I completely agree. I completely agree. And that's why we revere him today. And that's why we discuss Jose Aldo in such a uh, sort of shining light, because there, there's so many parts of his story. And I think back to that night in November of 2019 Dean, in the WEC at the Palms against Mike Brown. I was there that night. I was cage side. And I knew I mean, I, I guess I knew really after the Swanson and there was there was already buzz about Aldo. Like, don't get it twisted. He was like 16 and 1, 17 and 1 at the time. I don't remember, but he was surging. He was a bad, bad dude. But that flying knee knock out against Swanson and then the dismantling of Mike Brown at, at the WEC in 2009 in November. Like, I, I don't think that I, I don't know. I mean, people who are around get it like people who saw it, lived it. I was there. I understood it. But what people and Dean, you can speak to this. You were side by side for a lot of that. Mike Brown's run leading up to that. Like Mike Brown was unstoppable. Mike Brown was piecing people up. And Jose Aldo came in there and just ran through him like butter. Yeah, Mike Brown had a good run, man. When a guy gets on a good run, you got to appreciate that. And Mike was on a good run for a while. Like, he he was on a run. And like you said, but he ran into Aldo, man. Like, whatever it was, he couldn't sustain it. And he ran into Aldo and just really got got handled he got he got handled he really did. And again, that's when I knew I was like, oh, okay. Like we we're dealing with 
you know, uh, uh, a top of the food chain, upper echelon got a prospect. Cause at that point he was the youngest champion. He still is youngest champion in WEC history and WEC at that time, one of the most storied organizations that wasn't the UFC, right. Uh, that you would look at and really, you know, hold in high regard. We obviously still do to this day. Uh, if you are around for the WEC, it holds a special place in your heart. I'm curious, you brought up the Conor McGregor loss. Uh, Dean, I was talking to Mike during break. He's like, I'm still bummed. We didn't get the, uh, the Dominic Cruz, Jose Aldo fight. I agree with that. When I think of fights that we didn't get from Aldo, I think the Conor McGregor rematch is really hard for me to turn the page on. I would have loved to have seen a second fight between those two just because of the 13 seconds, right? But also because of the venom and the vitriol that those two had for one another. That, for what it was, it was only one fight. It was only 13 seconds. The buildup to that, the after effect, the... I mean, there's a lot of respect shown after the, the, the fact, Dean, but but building up to that, that was one of the most you know heated rivalries in the sport. I would have loved to have seen uh, a second coming of that match. Loved, loved to have seen a redo. I wish I wish we gotten to see it too, because now Aldo was never really given a chance to right. redeem himself. But he, in a way, he redeemed himself regardless by having the career that he had. Great point. And and I and I have to say that from a fighting perspective, from a fighter's perspective, you look at their look at both of their careers and you'd go, I would rather be Aldo right now. Not from, not, from, not, from, not from a financial I was, perspective. I was like, easy, easy. I was like, we're not talking money? Okay, okay, uh, not good. Not from a financial okay. perspective. <laughs> but from a... When I, when I spoke about Gregory Rodriguez in the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. I was talking about that fighter spirit, that willing-to-die spirit. And that's what I'm speaking about now. When I speak to that person inside me, and I say, who... When I got into this sport, it was because I wanted to be a fighter. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be rich. I didn't want to be famous. I wanted to be a fighter, last man standing on the planet if I need to be. When I speak to that person, and when I'm speaking to that person, when I look at both of their careers, Jose Aldo had the better career in terms of that. So he mm-hmm. he wins in terms of that. And that's not taking away anything away from Connor's career. Connor right. started a great career. He's made a lot of money and done a lot of great things, two-time sure. champ. Sure. But in terms of being a fighter, I would have rather have Jose Aldo's career. I like it. I like it. And I get why you say it, Dean. It makes complete sense. You talk about the the fighters, fighters sort of mentality of it. Yeah, Connor's got all the money in the world, but Jose Aldo, I mean, and specifically, like, I love the way you talked about how he redeemed himself after the 13-second loss. Yeah. He didn't do it against Connor. He did it a bunch of other highly ranked fighters and put together more streaks, more memories, more fight of the year candidates on top of the fight of the year that he had against Chad Mendez. And that leads me to my next question. Lasting memories of Jose, although when you think about his greatest fights, what is his greatest fight to you, Dean Thomas? Is it the Chad Mendez fight of the year? Is it the the dismantling of Mike Brown in one round back in November of 2009 to start the run? I mean, there's so many choices when you talk about a guy like Aldo. I am curious, though, for obviously a fighter like yourself and a a legend like yourself, a pioneer like yourself, when you look at all those, you know, win losses, you look at his sure dog, you know, his his fight finder, whatever you want to say, what what, what really stands out to you? You know what really stands out to me? It's not necessarily any one win. It's just when he used to jump, like when he would win and he'd jump around and do the high knees. 
<laughs> That's really for me what stood out about all those when he'd run around, he'd jump around with his knee, do the high knees. Yeah. For whatever reason, like that stood out, like especially like after he knocked out Cub Swanson like, yeah. and he runs around and he does the high knees. That really stood out to me. And man, it's because you wanted it because because you wanted those knees. You wanted that buoyancy. Yeah, well, I don't know. It was just it, you could see the celebration of that. Yeah, okay. his celebration was just fantastic. Well, that, that's another thing. The the sort of childlike approach that he had and the joy that he had for mixed martial arts. Like, there's videos of him getting his first suit, and like we really lived with Aldo, youngest WEC champion. We watched his whole run. Now we're saying goodbye to him today, but he always. You know, he always had that sort of youthful exuberance and that sort of just joy to be inside a cage. He just also uh, we haven't really talked about it. He's just a great ambassador for the sport. Well, and that's my and that's another thing, too. Like and I, and I say from a fighting perspective, now we can talk about ambassadorship perspective, you know, in terms of him and almost anybody else. Like we can dedicate entire segments. We can dedicate this entire show oh, to how good of a person he was. Yeah. And how good of an ambassador he was toward the sport. Like he's that guy. You know, we couldn't we couldn't do that on Connor. We could talk about Connor's most memorable moments of him being a douchebag. You know, like the opposite. Where he, the yeah. opposite. Yeah. yeah, the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but in terms of being a good guy, like I actually, I actually watched his movie. Yeah. In Portuguese, I watched yes. his movie in Portuguese because I, I was that. interested in his story, and he was just a really good dude, man, and. I wish him all the best. And I'm, I'm hoping that he does retire and not oh, that, just, that's my next question. Now yeah. I see the way you said that. And here's the thing. <laughs> I, I said this after the fight against Barab, I'm going to say it again. Jose Aldo cannot have his last fight in Salt Lake city, Utah. That's it. Like, I'm sorry. I'm so, bro. I'm sorry. Like that can't happen. It has to be in Brazil. It has to be in, you know, Sao Paulo or Rio. He's a king of Rio. I don't give a shit. It can't be in Salt Lake, but you're saying you hope that he is done. You hope he actually stays retired. I gotta be honest. I don't, he didn't look bad against Marab. I still think he can go out there and wreck people. Give me that Dominic Cruz, Jose Aldo fight in Rio, or give me Connor and Jose. I don't care. This can't be his last fight, man. There's still too much in the tank. You don't, but we don't know that. We don't, I mean, what we see is not, that's not what we, we don't know what's in his tank, like inside his head, what, what he's wake, what he wakes up and he's willing to do. Like we don't know what he's willing to do when he wakes up in the morning. Is he willing to put the hours in? Is he willing to train? And, and can he accept the fact that he can't compete at the same level like he used to? And that's another thing too, that we don't understand. We go, oh, he still looked pretty good. But for him in his head, he's like, man, I used to kill people. And now I'm struggling. Like, so it's hard to accept that fact. So we can't be the judge and determine whether we feel like he's still pretty good because only he can do that. And if he feels like that he's done all that he could do and he doesn't want to go back out there and put in that work just for subpar performances in his estimation, then we got to respect that. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. 
Shakti, and we welcome in right now a man who knows Jose Aldo very well. He fought him in the very first WEC pay-per-view and really paved the way for the featherweights in the UFC, the one and only California kid, Uriah Faber. What's up, Uriah? Just chilling, man. Just got back from the gym. We had a... Of course you did. Jam on Mondays. You know, Mondays are, are great. Everybody's all revved up and ready to go. Friday dims down. But yeah, we're, we're uh, getting after it. I am, I am not surprised to hear that, Uriah Faber. So, uh, okay, I'm not surprised to hear you're still getting it in and you're doing your thing on a Monday. Your surprise factor upon learning of the news over the weekend that uh, the great Jose Aldo is stepping away from the sport of mixed martial arts. Where were you when you heard it and what did you think? You know, I actually got a, uh, a message from Kevin Ioli oh. and, uh, uh, asking me his thought, my thoughts on it, and I had no clue. So, um, you know, it's kind of bitter sweet i wish we could watch him fight some more he's still amazing would love to see him fight more i've always felt like he was one of the top pound for pound guys on the planet and um he's only 36 so people forget how young he is i think i was 36 or 37 when i retired and um so i get it i know where he's at and i'm, I'm sure he's got a lot of new things he want to wants to spend his time on he's got a brand new baby and and he's probably going to get involved in something whether it be business or coaching but uh you're probably excited for the next phase of things right before you came on today uh our producer pulled up a picture of your leg <laughs> after the aldo fight when you fought him and oh. it's, it was pretty gruesome man it was pretty gruesome. Yeah. <laughs> how long did it take for you I, first off like how did you get through the fight after that because i always i was just telling these guys i didn't want to fight aldo because I didn't want to get kicked in the legs after I saw him fight you. So how how did what were you thinking in your head as that was happening? And how long did it take for you to heal that? You know, the biggest thing was I knew he was going to kick. I knew he kicked hard. I knew it was going to hurt. What I didn't account for was how how much it would take away from my mobility. He literally, a couple kicks in, had swelled up my knee so I couldn't bend my leg after the first or second round. And I remember looking down in the corner and seeing a big lump. And then it progressively got worse from there. I, I, you know, the plan was to, to push kick counter, which I did a couple times, but not, you know, over 25 minutes, uh, he was just basically hitting me with a bat in my leg over and over. And it was all soft tissue. I luckily had no permanent damage done, but it was literally about a month before things started to look normal. And then it was a little bit atrophied after that. And then I, once that, the pain from that went away, then I started to feel some of the other injuries from from hitting uh, fighting him. He had a, a jump knee that that really messed up my sternum, and um, I didn't even feel it for a month and a half because I was feeling the leg the whole the whole time. So, yeah, wow. it was it was a brutal fight, man. And, and the, that video is of me showing the, the leg after the fight is nothing compared to what it looked like three weeks later when it was black and blue. It looked like a dead body. Oh man! Can we show? Can we show the Gregory Rodriguez cut again? Can we just get no, that thought? Man, can we get that thought out no of our mind? <laughs> no one wants to see that. Good God, Uriah! Yeah. What's the most memorable fight of your career, if not that one? Um, you know that was a big one. I, I feel like uh, yeah, first pay per view. Yeah, yeah, some it was it was a pay per view. They didn't even they didn't even tout it as a. Uh, as a WC, because they're making the transition. That was the first one to make the transition to the UFC. So they called it Aldo Faber. They didn't call it WC anything. It was just Aldo Faber, if you go back and look. And they had Joe Rogan 
uh, commentating in the, the UFC crew commentating for the first time. So it was a slow transition. They were trying to like be subtle about it, but that was the transition into the UFC. And um, then my next title fight was against Dominic Cruz for the first time in the UFC. And, and I, and I fought Eddie one the prior prior than that. I think Jens Pulver was also a really memorable one for me. That was the first time it was on a big stage. It was, uh, you know, a sold out arena in my hometown. I was fighting a guy that I really looked up to. Jens Pulver was a legend, still is a legend, obviously had sure. beat BJ Penn and was the first world champion at, for the UFC. And, um, and so that one meant a lot to me as well. We're here with Uriah Faber, the California kid here on a Monday talking about the life and times of Jose Aldo. Uh, if in, by your estimation, I mean, I know the fight with yourself, uh, you know, everyone talked about the leg kicks. You talked about the need of the sternum. I think about knees. I think about Cub Swanson. What do you think, I guess, Aldo's most dangerous attribute was Uriah? Was it the leg kicks? Was it the knees? Was it his cardio? What what, what would you define him? Into? If he had like a finishing move, if he had something that he was so well known for, what do you think kind of was his most dangerous tool? You know, uh, mostly mostly uh, pepper and legs and then in those knees. If you look yeah. at Chad Mendez, the, the, the fight, he, he turned around, knocked out Chad with the knee. He, he uh, had a knockout where the guy throws a jab and he, and he times the jab to a knee, the double, double flying knee to Cub Swanson, um, you know, split him in two different spots on his head with both knees, hit one, then the other. I think Aldo's biggest asset was, I mean, how, how much of an athlete he was. I mean, talk about muscle composition, fast switch yeah. uh, abilities, talk about uh, natural cardio and coordination. He was impossible to take down for the most I was part. just going to say that, man. It was like, and, and, it, and people don't know, you know, one of my main training partner, a uh, training partner that I got to really train with whenever I go to LA was Charles Cobrina, who's one of the most decorated jujitsu players of all time. And him and Aldo came up at the same time. And I think Aldo beat him when they were purple or with their purple or brown belts. And had he chose to take that jujitsu path, he could have been a decorated guy in that route as well. So, I mean, really, he was just all around started out as a jiu-jitsu player and then became this deadly striker. Do you think that's the, do you think that's the most underrated part? Like, cause, cause we do, we talk about all these things. I was going to ask you, like, what do you think that doesn't get mentioned enough about all those career and his skill set? Would you, would you factor, would you say it was the ground is, is jits? Yeah. I mean, really, I I've never been held down in a fight other than against uh, Aldo. Uh, he had me in a crucifix and I was having to bring my head forward to make the punches put down um, the, you know, so they weren't as, as impactful. And luckily I was able to get through that situation, but there's only been a few times in my career that I've been uh, actually held down. And that was one of them. Uh, Chad Mendes can take down everybody. And they had two yeah. amazing fights where he wasn't able to keep Aldo down. Um, you know, I think, one of the shocking ones was uh, when when he fought Hominick, and Hominick was able to take him down later in the rounds. Yeah, I remember. But that. it was because Aldo had used so much grappling earlier in the fight that I think he wasn't used to having a grappling heavy heavy game plan, and so he got a little fatigued. But his grappling was high level. Yeah, it really was, and I actually think similar to like the Sarah fight. With, with GSP. Now, I know Hominick didn't win that fight against Aldo, and I know Sarah did against his first fight with GSP, but, like, I felt like that Hominick loss to or taught uh, Jose a lot, right? Like, I, I don't think I saw the same fighter after that fight. 
no, but he beat Hominick. Right. Um, but uh, but he just, you know, you saw a little, a little fatigue that that was like, oh, he gets tired a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the reason he was he was fatigued was because he did have a heavy grappling uh, game plan in that fight. Took Hominick down a couple times, etc. But um, you know, one of the coolest things I think about Aldo is just what a good guy he was outside of the cage. Yes. And I remember having a dinner with him and and John Jones and uh, a bit like uh, I think who else was there. It was it was like a who's who at the time of 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 stars in the sport. We had this big dinner in Las Vegas. I remember and he had that. just beat me and, and we sat yep. next to each other and and uh, and had a great time. And when I went to Brazil, they opened up their gym to me. And when he came to Sacramento, uh, I, I made time to let him use my gym. And um, I just had I feel like him and Chad had a great relationship, even despite beating the crap out of each other and. Uh, just a, a consummate professional inside and outside of the octagon. I'm going to flip the page a little bit here because your boy just fought this weekend song and um, yeah. obviously came up a little bit short, but uh, what do you take away from that fight? And what do you think about his performance? Man, I think that was, that was one of the, the fights where you have a loss, you come away with more fans and more self-confidence and, and a real, uh, great disposition coming out of a loss. And that's hard to do that. I, I had the same scenario in the aftermath when I broke my hands against Mike Brown, you know, I broke my hand in the first round. I had four, four rounds after that in the championship fight and song faced some adversity was, was having a great fight. You know, one judge gave him the first round, the other two judges had it two to going the shocking for me, I, as we got the doctor, uh, vision out of the eye that wasn't cut so he said he was better off when he closed the eye that wasn't cut but then the blood was coming on the other side and he still stays stayed so poised and had had a great fight and, and everybody wishes we could see that fifth round including Sanhagen. so um i think we take a lot away from that fight. i, I think the worst thing about that fight is not many guys are going to want to fight uh song after that fight you know I can see people going, oh, man, watch that fight going, I don't want to fight that guy. Which weird is it? Like, even though he has that loss, I almost feel as though he should move up in the ranking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, well, he right. definitely should, you know. And 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 to be honest, uh, people haven't really wanted to fight Song for a long time, so it's been hard to get him the fights that will move him up the rankings because guys say no. And I didn't know you could do that so much, and you probably didn't know you could do that growing up in your career either. But people say no all the time. It's like, Bro, are you doing it? Everyone's protecting themselves. Same thing <laughs> happened to Josh Emmett. Everybody's no one wants to fight Josh Emmett. Too quiet of a guy, not enough clout, but the most dangerous guy. And uh, and so yeah, Song should definitely be moving up. I mean, he should be above uh, Cheeto to be honest, because he beat Cheeto. Yeah. And uh, and and so you know he did have a one loss against Skyler, but uh, he has a win over Cheeto. I agree. Um, one more for me, Uriah, and that is. I became a big Uriah Faber fan after I read your book. Now that book is a couple of years old it is, and I'm sure that you've done a couple now. Yeah. <laughs> so I was about to say, so, and I'm sure you've done quite something, some more since that time that you've last, uh, you know, had an installment in that book. Is there any chance of a Uriah Faber book too? Oh, absolutely, man. And I was, I was just talking about this with uh, Ariel Hawani, just texting back in, um, you know, a couple months ago. I would love to do, cause I was a young guy on top of the world when I wrote that book. 
same things, uh, principles. And it was my life lessons and what I took from my life lessons and kind of put it into like a little, a little, uh, self-help book, but it was really for myself. If you read the last chapter, I said, Hey, make your own rules from your own experiences. But I would love to go back and do the tainted, uh, older version to see if I see everything the same way, you know, <laughs> cause you've had the, the double crosses and you've had the, the tough times and this and that. And, uh, and so I would love you guys still there. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're here. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I got a call. That's why I, I would <laughs> love to do, uh, kind of a rehashing of, of, of the same type of book, but with the new experiences and say, Hey, Hey, what if I learned this a little bit different now as a, as a wiser guy, and then maybe do one, uh, another one down the road when I'm real crusty and old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was just saying, you still look the same, man. I know you've been retired for a little bit. I know you've been in this game. You're a pioneer, but you still got that smile. You're still looking good. Uh, there Uriah. I do got to ask you, we'll end on all though. Sub one fifty fivers, right? Like all time terms of uh, goat status. Where do you, uh, where do you put Jose Aldo? Man, I I think he's got to be, you know, Number one, really, and, and there's been a lot of guys that have been how long the the Aldo career. I think there was like a 12 year stint where he was unbeaten, and he was beating the top top guys. And then it took somebody like Conor McGregor, who was at the peak and prime of his career, and and only had one defense. And he had any defenses at it, although because uh, because Connor, of course, trains to knock people out with one punch. But bad luck on the side of Aldo, um, that kind of took away from that shine. But that guy was unstoppable and beating the who's who, the guys that that uh, you know were also in the talks of the pound for pound guys. And so um, I have him as number one, and and I think that uh, it's real easy in the sport to forget about how good someone was and how how crazy the rain was, and especially when a big overshadowing event like that happens. People forget, like this is this is the guy, man. This is the guy that was was cleaning house on everybody in dominant fashion, and and so, um, you know, I I think I put him up there. And another guy that doesn't get a, enough clout for being, I mean, I get a lot of uh, notoriety for being one of the founders of the the, the lighter weight class and, and being one of the top guys there. But Kid Yamamoto was another guy yeah. that Rest in was peace, doing kid, incredible. Sure. Yes, and that guy when I first started that was the guy I was looking at going like, this is the star in the world. I would watch his videos and I, and I had a, like a real sense of, of where I sat because his videos on YouTube would have a thousand when I was fighting gladiator challenging King of the cage. So kid Yamamoto is another guy that you talked about enough, but I put Aldo for the longevity, the way he did it. Um, you know, the lifestyle that he lived, he's, he's gotta be number one, if not in the top three of, of all time. I love it. I love it there. Great stuff from the pioneer, the legend himself, the one and only California kid, Uriah Faber, and absolutely big shout out to, yes, to the legend, Jose Aldo, but to the pioneer and legend himself, kid Yamamoto, Nora Formi kid, Yamamoto, rest in peace to kid. Pioneers abound here on a Monday. Our huge, gigantic thanks to the California kid for stopping by to contextualize a legendary career in Jose Aldo. MMA on Sirius XM is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. 
you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch Unlocking the Cage weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern and MMA Today Tuesday to Thursday from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, Channel 156, and on the SXM app. SiriusXM Podcasts.